Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome to the Vanguard. For Spike, the leader of the Jutang clan, Cohen, I am Matt Wright, and together we are traversing the muddied waters of freedom. Hey everybody, how are you doing? I am Spike Cohen. I did forget to change the title of this episode, but this is definitely... I mean, Dan Berman might call in, but this is this is a completely different episode. But thank you guys for tuning in. If Dan Berman wants to uh, call in, please, Dan, I'll, I will open the phone lines for if, you. If Dan wants to save us from being filthy liars right now, right, uh, then he could do so. Um, so yeah, no, guys, thank you for tuning in, and uh, I'm working on the title. But in the meantime, thanks for tuning in. And uh, how was your how was your week, Matt? My week was uh my week was pretty good, you know. I uh quarantined, stuck inside, watched uh watched Ozark finish that season up, the newest season of Ozark. And uh I watched the latest episode of uh The Tiger King. And uh, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, it. yeah, with Josh Dial, yeah. Fuck the feds yeah. do your job. He added that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he Joel McHale was like, "You had the you you were brave enough to say fuck the feds on 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 national television." And he goes, "Well, yeah, fuck the feds and do your job." Yeah. Well, what was, was funny was was he asked him. He said, "You know, are you kind of scared of that?" And he's like, "Yeah, I'm kind of scared, but fuck the feds." And the, and then he ended it with a very powerful where he was talking about that, like, you know, the government. This is our money that they take from us, and you know, it's not their money and the way that they act. And blah 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 blah. And I'm like that's yeah that's definitely that is definitely uh what you want to uh that's definitely when you have the opportunity to have the entire world watching you all at the same time i'm sorry everyone i'm still retweeting our show everywhere so people can see it um anyway uh you know when you have everyone in in, in, the entire world watching he got to say libertarian stuff to more people than probably any other libertarian this year oh yeah easily easily david park said how'd you manage to get martin shkreli on here and i just want to say that spike looks nothing like martin shkreli i don't look like martin shkreli no not even this guy nope this guy this guy over here looks nothing like martin shkreli i don't look like martin shkreli i don't i don't now if i had the only uh copy of that wu-tang album that would be pretty cool but then i'd also be in prison so there's kind of some layers there but i definitely i don't look like martin shkreli uh, Chris Reynolds pointed out what we noticed right as we started up the yeah. show. Yeah, we, the the red blue dynamic that we have on here uh, was not planned. It just no. I didn't even know what shirt I was wearing because I, I just I'm, knew I was wearing a Chris Reynolds shirt. <clears throat> a personal injury attorney, Chris Reynolds, attorney at law shirt, and. Uh, yeah, and I, David Park, I look nothing like Martin Shkreli either. That is, that is mean and offensive. Oh, oh, he meant you look like him. I'm assuming. Well, he said no, the other guy. Oh, you look less <laughs> like him than I do. I, I need right? to re. I need to get new. I mean, and, um, neither one of us look course. like him. Yeah, that we dude's don't. Face is very punchable. Yeah, no, we both look way better than that. Anyway, this episode is brought to you by the. Where are we? This episode is brought to you by the 
Libertarian Party dad bod calendar featuring some of the most sexy libertarian men to ever walk this godforsaken earth, including that man right there, Mr. Spike Cohen. Which, by the way, this is the month of Spike. It is month, the month of, of April, which is where you will see that. So if you, you've got... I mean, I guess you could keep, keep looking at it even after April, but you have 16 days to be correctly... 30 days after September. Yeah, 16 days left after today to look at this sexy man and it actually still be April by going to libertariandadbod.com and uh, ordering your copy today. Just $12 shipped, uh, including shipping. And uh, it also, um, the money goes to help various uh, libertarian causes and candidates. And it's just a great cause all the way around. No better way to social distance than to have one of these bad boys around you. I guarantee you, no one will want to come within six feet of you. This episode is also brought to you by the Libertarian Party Waffle House Caucus, which is basically lying in wait for Waffle Houses to open again so that we can go and enjoy them. And speaking of things lying in wait, this episode is also brought to you by the Libertarian Party Coronavention being held in Austin, Texas. Still not canceled. Still not canceled. Uh, May 21st through 25th, where 2,500 people are going to gather in Austin in about a month. Definitely going to happen. Definitely still going to happen. There's no way that that's going to not be allowed. Thanks to people like Henry McMaster, who is a bitch and has extended the stay-at-home order in South Carolina, where the 12 people who are currently still in Myrtle Beach because there's no tourism right now are not allowed to go to the beach, where it's surrounded and where the ocean is filled with saline water that is very sterile and kills coronaviruses can't go there but we definitely can go to walmart but only in like a seven hour window so we all have to be there at the same time because he's a bitch that's that's who this show is brought to you by the uh yesterday uh, Hillsborough County, where Tampa is, which is mm. not the county I'm in, but it's right next door, okay. instituted a instituted a curfew nine to five, nine p.m. Gosh. to five a.m. And if uh, if Pinellas County follows suit, that means um, I'm not going to follow that. I, it doesn't matter. I'm still going to go out past nine o'clock. Yeah, I mean, so what are they doing? Like they're fining people. Uh, yeah, $500 fine or six months in jail or up to six months in jail. Because nothing says I want to, um, keep you safe and healthy than, um, getting really close to you to arrest you, put you in a car, the back of a police car where many other people have already sat, no doubt has not been properly, um, sanitized in between that. And then taken to a crowded jail cell filled with other people that are suspected of trying to spread COVID-19 that clearly is uh, is a way of demonstrating your commitment to health. Um, I think it's absolutely absurd uh, the way that this is being treated. Um, but yeah, no, it's uh, they are it's they're they're definitely deciding they're going to do the weird flex all the way to the end, where then we get to we get to watch when they do eventually let us go back outside because it turns out if you don't let us work, where most of us will become homeless. Um, if you do let us outside to work again. Then it starts spreading again because everyone's back outside. Right. Which means then this is going to become like red light, green light for however many months or even years. Because you 
can't make everyone stay in their house long enough for the virus to completely die. I mean, it would take months of us not even going to the store. And way more people would die of starvation because of that. So, you know, that's uh, it's a really good idea. And um, anyone who is against it should definitely reference uh, racism in the comments because that is re- valid and relevant to what we're talking about. <laughs> anyway, um, so... So Matt had a good week. Um, Dan, Dan Berman was on my show uh, the other day. Uh talking about why we should have the convention open and I'm not gonna lie. He uh he had some decent he had some decent points. Yeah, and I mean I I have to say the way Dan talks about it makes it sound a a little bit more reasonable than the people who want to like attribute it to five G towers or whatever. You know, right. he's saying let's take the precautions we can take, but recognize that, you know, that there's a better way to there's a better way to do this and, and, you know, that we can still have our, you know, right to assemble. I, I will say this. I am incredibly concerned about 2,500 people in a building. I don't see how effective one can be in doing like social distancing and stuff like that. But I will say that in general, um, I think that's better than just leaving everyone in limbo forever. We keep talking about, oh, well, you know, the vaccine's not going to be ready in 12 to 18 months. We still don't have a vaccine for SARS. We still don't have a vaccine for HIV, which has a 100% uh, fatality rate if left untreated. Uh, that's very true. So, so Some of the comments today are already gold uh let me do a quick shout out to brett corrieri who has us on on his tv at the house oh nice yeah that's the best experience it is the best experience if if you're gonna watch us if you're gonna watch us watch us on a big screen because this show is in full hd 30 frames per second which looks good on your phone no doubt it looks great on your computer screen no doubt tablet all that stuff you put that bad boy on like a 60 inch TV. I'm, I'm doing this because I have a TV above me. Uh, you put on like a nice 60 inch, 50 inch, 70 inch TV, something like that, big screen TV. You, my friend, are going to be in for quite a treat, especially if you watch it on float.app or YouTube. Um, it is just, mwah. Yeah, he, he is apparently using Apple TV, according to the text message. Oh, nice. Oh, that's such a luxurious experience he's having. And you can too. By going yes. to Apple TV and finding us wherever we are on Apple. We're on Apple TV. Well, I, I'm certainly streaming it from somewhere onto his Apple TV. Onto ah. his, onto his TV. Um, Get that Roku streaming stick out. Go uh, hop, knock up that, that YouTube app on your Roku or your Google. Oh, yeah. It could be watching Chrome. us on YouTube straight to Apple TV. That also works. That works too. Yeah. Um, not so much first anymore. But always foremost, allow me to thank Justin for the kava that I'm drinking on today's episode. And allow me to thank Le Bleu for this delicious, ultra-pure drinking water mm. that I am drinking, which is just... It's not just pure. Oh, yes. It's ultra-pure. Le ultra. Bleu. And they bring it to your house. 
So, mm-hmm. you know, if you're scared to go outside because, you know, if you're scared to go outside, you can have other people go outside for you. And they're magically not vectors. Well, it's all above Bulavanaka. Bu- oh, Bulavanaka. Bulavanaka, everybody. Bula. You got a little, little blue. Le bleu. Le bleu le vanaka. Le bleu le vector naka. I um so the thing with this is, and I, I I bring this up because you know I also have my backup Kroger water just in case, but because uh, you never know when you need to rinse out slam. the ultra pure. Yeah, you got to you got to do a chaser of the right. of the of the purified drinking water. Um, but this is kind of that you know flimsy water. Is this AS, is it, this is like anti ASMR right? Um, but like you have that kind of flimsy water bottle that we become used to. And, you know, the kids don't remember in the 90s when this was the kind of water bottle you'd get if you wanted bottled water. First of all, everyone water. made fun of you. Oh, a you, water bottle that could like injure somebody. Yeah, you could like hurt. This is a legit weapon, even if it's empty. Like the, the edge is like you could actually hurt someone with that. You can't hurt anyone with this. You can't. I mean, unless I mean, no, even filled with water, it's soft. Like you can't hurt anyone. And this this is a way to tell the 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 marine life that you hate them and don't care about the turtles or the um i guess the whales this is like pure garbage patch contribution stuff here this is big boy stuff here and uh this is back to this is a throwback back to the days when you would drink bottled water me and people would go oh you know you can get water from a tap and then I would try to explain things like fluoride, and they go, oh, oh, and now everyone has caught up with the Jew. Just like everyone caught up with me, with white kids listening to rap music, that only took about 25 years. Was that not always the thing? It wasn't in the early to mid-90s, no. In South, in South Carolina. Car- in, in South Carolina. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> in, in D.C., that was a thing. No, that wasn't a that wasn't a a mainstream thing until I had already matriculated out, and by that I mean kicked out by the police of both of the um, school systems in my county and had to be homeschooled the final three grades. Um, God, that explains so much. Yeah, that explains so much. <laughs> like I'm really, I've always had a good heart though. Chris Reynolds, first of all, you gave me this shirt one day when I was working with you, and you gave Sarah an identical one. Yeah. So we can match should we want to. This Matt, shirt Hicks, is mine. Matt Hicks says he was kicking it with the rap and forte way back when, which I believe. I Matt Hicks too. is an incredible human being. Um, <laughs> if you ever want the finest... Uh, african-american and and west indian and african diaspora inspired cuisine you can't there are a few chefs who are able to do it better than matt hicks but not many not many speaking of the african diaspora bernie sanders let's talk about this um bernie sanders a a member of the african diaspora uh He uh he had a little bit of a change of heart, Matt. This uh this week he decided that he is uh 
Well, I'll just let him say it. That's not it. Uh, I will let him say it. So today I am asking all Americans, I'm asking every Democrat, I'm asking every Independent, I'm asking a lot of Republicans mm. to come together in this campaign to support your candidacy, oh. which I endorse. <laughs> He's shocked. To make certain that we defeat somebody who I believe, and I'm speaking just for myself now, uh, is the most dangerous president in the modern history of this country. I like uh, I like that when he says it, I have to play the, that part again. Hold so on. today I am asking all Americans, I'm asking every Democrat, I'm asking every Independent, I'm asking a lot of Republicans here, here to comes. come together in this campaign to support your candidacy, oh. which I... In- oh, the the, the <laughs> shock of Joe Biden in this moment. You're not fooling anybody oh. here, Joe. Oh, 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 that. Oh. It's it's the same <laughs> shock. It's, that was probably the same surprise shock that he had when Tara Reid accused him of sexual assault. Ooh. Oh, oh. Uh. <laughs> Tara Reid says that you forcibly digitally manipulated her yesterday. Oh, 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 Oh. didn't know that was going to come back to haunt me. I'm going to have to let me write a note to myself to grab that clip so that for the next several months, whenever something Joe Biden related comes, we can just knock that up. We go, oh, 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 Joe Biden. Um, So, yeah, obviously, Bernie's asking all of his supporters all of the brethren um, to forget everything he has been saying about Joe Biden for the last four or five months and uh, support him now. Uh, as you can imagine, the, the brethren, the brethren, not too happy about this. No. In fact, any of them have been calling back to something that was said roughly a month ago, right, be- <laughs> right before uh one of the election days, I don't remember which one, uh, where this is what Bernie had to say about Biden. Just notice the subtle difference here. You have a candidate who is being supported by Wall Street, who is being supported by at least 60 billionaires, uh, somebody who voted for disastrous trade agreements like NAFTA and TNTR, which caused real serious problems here in Michigan, uh, in Pennsylvania and Wisconsin. Uh, Somebody in terms of women's rights is not as strong as the candidate we need. Somebody, in fact, you know, people are asking themselves, well, I like Bernie, I like Joe, who can beat Trump? That's what Democrats, independents, some Republicans are, are thinking. And to my mind, to my mind, Chris, this is really a no-brainer. Uh, uh, I, I just uh, want to point out, I am so glad that I did the show notes this week because I had no audio on that on my end. So luckily I know what he said. Oh, did you? No, I didn't. But uh oh, <laughs> it's all good. I know what he said. Um, yeah. So the person that he's railing on about how he bailed out the banks and how he doesn't respect women's rights and how <laughs> I can't remember what the other things are now, but he's railing on him for all of these massively progressive principles that he yeah. and his supporters follow. Yeah. And now he's saying we all need to come together to support Joe Biden because we need to make Trump one. You at one point, I know you were comparing the two of them and saying they weren't that different. 
I know that happened, and I yeah. wish I could have found that clip. Yeah, and, and I mean, here's the thing: if you and I were Donald Trump, which thank God we're not, or 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 if we ran one of the the you know packs or super packs supporting him, which we also so, are not. We would just play this kind of stuff over and over and over and over and over again because there is probably hours of it just from the last 12 months. Oh, yeah. Of him just blasting Joe Biden. There's at least a solid hour of legit Bernie on Biden violence and from the la- j- just during this election cycle. Not only that, but let's let's assume, and it hasn't been decided yet, but let's assume that Kamala Harris becomes the VP. She blasted Biden a lot during the primaries. I would just play that constantly. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, there's going to be a ton of it. There's going to be a ton of clips of all of the people that are now like, oh, Joe Biden's the best. And they're going to have them comparing, you know, talking about his cozying up with segregationists and talking about, you know, all these different things and, you know, his own clips of him. There is a clip out there and I didn't grab it because it is the most cringy thing. It is a basically a patchwork of all the clips of him touching girls and being really uncomfortable with them and and not like the older women which is creepy enough, but like little girls where he'll like sit there and hold them and nuzzle them and kiss them. And they are so uncomfortable. And the parents are often there kind of like awkwardly smiling because this is happening in front of a bunch of cameras while they're usually being appointed to some cabinet position or something like that. And and he's just all over their kid. Where he's um, like, you, no, you, you come stand over next to me and pulls the girl closely into his crotch. And- like, and, and so it's like, it's like, I believe it's like two minutes long. I said, I'm going to watch this. I'm going to make myself watch this because, damn it, I am a journalist. <laughs> and so I, 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 I told myself that. And I got I like, like I we think we refer to ourselves as journalists every once in a while. Yeah, and then I like try not to chuckle a little. But I am. We're we're journalists. Yeah, because we don't do this any bias in our reporting um, at all. At none, all, none was we we are. I don't even care. Middle of the road. I literally don't even care. Not only am I not showing bias, I don't even have any. I don't even care what happens. So I so I, I, I try to make myself watch this. I got thirty either thirty or thirty-one seconds in. And I mean I was literally gripping my phone like I can't do that. And I finally at the point where I think it was the I don't know who it was, but it was the little uh Asian American kid. So whatever oh, yeah. whichever her parents were and the way he was on her, I was like, I can't do this. I can't. He was like over her and her. She had this like almost like where she checked out look on her face. And I'm like, I can't watch this. Like, this is absolutely this is absolutely disgusting. I cannot imagine trying to message that because the media will ignore it as much as they possibly can. Oh, yeah. Social media will not. And social, uh, social media won't, won't. And and conservative media won't. Uh, uh, the uh, is. Can you imagine in a debate? He's just going to bring up, like, I could see Trump bringing up, you touch little girls. Like, I could see him saying it. Why wouldn't he? Do you know how easy it's going to be for Trump to just, and what's he going to say to that? There's tons of video of you touching little girls. Well, what? listen here, fat. Like, I mean, what, like, what, what is your response to that? There's, there's not an easy response. 
if he calls Trump fat during a debate, <laughs> that's I, like I would be so incredibly happy. That's probably his best bet is just to turn around and be like, "Look here, fat." And and then and then start start in on whatever like start talking about something else. That's Challenge the only way. Push up contest and then, <laughs> yeah, yeah, push up contest and like anything he can do to just bring it back to the realm of of absurdity. Anything to re- to anything. get off, get your anything to get your 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 mind off of the the soft child rape. Like it's just crazy. Now the good news from this is that our own Matt Wright in a moment of just absolute uh, divine inspiration, we'll call it, uh, made this meme, which became the most popular meme, probably, on Maybe. social media yesterday. It got shared over 5,000 times on our somewhat modest uh, 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 media conglomerate uh, pages, um, and actually probably more than that compared, including Twitter. And then it got picked up some, by some of the big boys and shared, I think hundreds of thousands of times. This was definitely what was in, and almost all of them kept that little watermark there, which makes me so happy. That makes um, me even happier. That especially makes me so freaking happy. Especially because I almost didn't put the watermark on there because I did not think it was going to be a popular meme. Well, and that was God. me. That was me with the Liz Warren proud, uh, okay to be 99.99% white meme. I thought it was going to be some stupid thing that me and you and like six other people would get a kick out of. And instead, yep. it actually like catapulted and began the catalyst of us becoming as popular as we are now. It was that popular. And I didn't watermark it. But the Robert Urich meme, you watermarked. The Spooner, the the Spooner, Spooner Robert Urich. Same Yurik day. Meme. It's the Spooner meme. Um, yeah, that's actually the title of this episode is for anybody who <laughs> came in late is, uh, hang on, I need to actually look it up. Uh, Bernie sells out faster than toilet paper during a pandemic. And I wrote the title of the episode and came up with the idea for that meme. Yeah, And it was only because Facebook doesn't allow polls anymore on Facebook pages. So we can thank Facebook for their ridiculous yeah, thanks. arbitrary thank you, rules about stuff that we now right. were able to add that to the public consciousness. Right. So that was good. Now, Twitter uh, was very quick to react. Uh, as anyone who has been following this show knows, I am Vermin Supreme's vice presidential uh, running mate, uh, candidate for the Libertarian Party nomination. And we have been very closely following the Bernie to by a uh, Vermin pipeline, which is basically just a A to B pipe. They just Bernie Vermin. Um, it's not really a complex pipeline. Um, and so <laughs> it's, really, yeah, there's not like, you know, you don't have to go, it's just boop, vermin. And, uh, and so uh, Twitter definitely had their response. Um, basically, I, these are just a bunch of screenshots I grabbed from uh, Bernie supporters saying, nope, straight up, we're voting for Vermin Supreme. And if you want to have fun, guys, because I only, I grabbed 25 of them because I, I could have spent hours doing this. Go uh, look up Vermin Supreme on Twitter. Just type in Vermin Supreme. Uh, and, and don't go to his actual, I mean, you can go to his account if you want, cause he, he retweets a lot of this, but just look at like the search results and you will discover very quickly that, uh, there are something like, I would guess somewhere between 50 and a hundred thousand Twitter accounts, uh, of Bernie supporters who are now straight up vermin supporters, uh, an increasing number of them who went from, 
I love Bernie, and if he doesn't get it, I'll vote for Vermin, to, oh my gosh, I can't believe that Bernie didn't get it. I still love him so much, but I'm voting for Vermin, to, fuck Bernie Sanders, I'm voting for Vermin. That was the most recent uh, from yesterday when he decided, when Bernie actually decided to endorse Biden. Um, and uh, this go, I don't know if it's looped yet, but this just continues. And you can yeah. just, what? I think it's looped. But it may not. Yeah, no, it's definitely looped. Yeah, yeah, yeah like, it's a loop. Okay. He found a lot in that short period of time when he was doing this. That took me like five minutes. All I did was type in uh, Vermin Supreme. And it's just. And you, I mean, most of that was from today. Like, you can. I think for a minute I did Bernie and Vermin, and that, you know, that had stuff as well. But like, it's insane. And we'll talk more about that later. But anyway, so. So that was the internet's response to it. Um, now we, oh, Barack Obama did finally decide uh, that, in fact, he, <laughs> he wants the candidate that he, he prefers that he win. that he prefers uh, Joe Biden um, to um, Donald Trump. Um, <laughs> so we're we're happy to we're happy to have him on board uh, finally there with that because we we're should starting to wonder Barack Obama to Vermin Supreme see if he rescinds. Oh, to see if he resends that. Oh, no, you know what? It's. I mean, it's just. So, I get that you know, Obama didn't want to endorse Biden early on. I get, I get that he wanted to wait for some states to right. endorse him first. Once it was mathematically impossible for Bernie Sanders to win, like over a month ago, or not impossible, but mathematically it would have required an absolute sea change where instead of Bernie getting something like 30% of the vote, he would now get 65% of the vote or something like that. Right. Once that happened, it was really safe for Obama to endorse Biden. Yeah. Everyone else already had, except for Bernie, who was right. even already signaling that he would because he kept saying, you know, if, if I don't get it, I will endorse Joe Biden. This was very safe. You could have done that. He waited until a solid 24 hours after Bernie Sanders endorsed Joe Biden. He waited until every single former Democratic candidate endorsed Joe Biden to show up and be like, yeah, me too. Yeah, no, Joe Biden. Totally. Let me be clear. I support Joe. Like, now what yeah now you what that took was um the same amount of spine it took for bernie to support him none zero zero spine from either of those two nothing like i i mean i so my theory is and both of them are I, my theory is either he was kind of hoping something would happen to joe like, you know, a rape arrest or, or you know, he gets COVID or something. Like, he was waiting for something to happen where he could go, oh, no, oh, Joe, oh, Joe. Uh, you know, it was, some, it was something like that to happen where it's like, well, no, we've got we to wait and see if Joe can even do this. Um, I, like you, was horrified to discover that Joe Biden had been doing all the stuff that we've been watching him do for the last 30 years. Um, or... He's just that petty. I I could see that. 
Either um, of those is so cold blooded. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was watching something. Something Chris Reynolds sent me. I don't remember which. But one of the uh one of the talking heads on this program, uh Chris Reynolds, personal injury attorney, Chris Reynolds, attorney at law. ChrisReynoldsLaw.com. Um, yep. Um, I didn't know that. <laughs> but uh he sent me something and the talking heads were talking about uh, Joe Biden and Obama not endorsing him. And one of the talking heads said, in all fairness, do you want, do you want um, Obama opening up speeches for Joe Biden? You have somebody who's a pretty eloquent speaker, especially when reading from a teleprompter. You have somebody who's a very eloquent speaker and somebody who, can like really capture a crowd right and then he's going to introduce oh, joe Biden, who is going to stumble through stories and ramble on about corn pop was a bad dude yeah hey thanks jack i want to tell you about the time that i met a guy named sam hill yep oh wow that's a theory yeah. so granted i he need he wanted the endorsement even though it changed nobody's mind nobody's mind is switched zero, by Obama. Zero percent. Yep. But as Biden, do you want this guy speaking before you? He, he is going to outshine you at every single event. Well, thanks People to would the go up to see Obama and then leave. Oh yeah. No, that would definitely happen. Thanks to the COVID pandemic and everyone having to stay home. It would be even worse because it wouldn't be them standing next to each other and 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 by and, and you know Obama giving his you know talk and then handing it off to Joe and standing there and you know painfully nodding through his nonsense afterwards it's just straight up you're looking at Obama talking and then it cuts to Joe going oh and pretending he's shocked every time i wonder if he's going to do that like every time someone mentions that they support him he's like oh and that's oh. why that's why I already said I support Joe oh. Biden. Oh. Oh. oh, oh, with that one eye that's always slightly more closed than the other. Gosh, he looks. Oh. Every time I look at him, because you know like, they, they, he ages like fifteen years every time he appears on camera. He looks worse and worse. He looks like someone that they are desperate, desperately trying to keep alive, um, and able to keep walking and stuff. Like if you look at. They'll show us stuff from, you know, like when he's messing with those kids and stuff. That Some of that stuff's, you know, 10 years old, 5 years old, 6 years old, 7 years old. And he was old then. Now he's just like, oh. Like, I... <laughs> the the is... hair plugs and the teeth caps aren't helping you as much as you think they are. No, no. Not anymore. No, definitely not. I mean, listen, here's the thing. Everyone is used to trying to stay 6 feet away from Joe Biden imagine what this poor man feels like now having to reciprocate. Um, it's devastating. He's, it's devastating. He, he legitimately is like the uh, old creepy guy on Family Guy. Get your fat ass back here. He is. Yeah. He is. He's going to start talking with that little bit of a whistle too. Yeah. He's, I got, I hope so. <laughs> I was, oh. I was talking to Kim Jong-un. <laughs> Oh man, yeah, no. I listen. I I I like everyone else. I prefer my, you know, uh 
sociopathic mass murderers to be to you know a little bit more smooth and uh and and and, and easy to read from a teleprompter like during the Obama years um but i uh there's something to be said about having the current whoever it is sociopathic uh warmongering mass murderer who puts millions of marginalized people people of color the poor gender and sexual minorities in cages um to enforce uh a system of uh imperialism and white supremacy um i i there's something there's something to be said about having the person who's in charge of doing that for you know this current term be like kind of a scumbag because you can kind of hate him too personally um whereas when you have like an obama who does all those same things but you know he's he's a cool guy and and he, he, he talks the talk and he, he makes you feel good. I, uh, you know, it makes it go down a little smoother, which isn't good. That's like adding sugar to rat poison. It's like adding sugar, sugar to rat poison. So we, uh, we are definitely interested in that. And speaking of, just to give you a perfect example, uh, of, of this in play and how it, how it ends up playing out for a lot of people, uh, in this country, Matt, tell us the story about Willie Nash. You put this together, you know, way better than me. Yeah. Um, but this is, I just looking at it, it is infuriating. So first of all, I want to say, I saw you building to that segue early on, and I was really impressed with how you did that. Um, <laughs> Willie Nash was arrested August in 2017 in Mississippi on a misdemeanor charge. Okay. Um. When he was arrested, they failed to follow the proper booking procedures uh, when they were putting him in jail. And after booking him, getting him into his cage, they discovered he had a cell phone on him. The way that they discovered he had a cell phone on him was he asked the guard for a charger. So he clearly didn't think that he shouldn't have it. Right. He went through the booking procedure. They didn't take the phone. So he was using it, and then he asked the guard for a charger. Now, he says that he doesn't. He like Spike said. He says that he doesn't. Uh, he didn't know he wasn't allowed to have it since they didn't take it from him. Right. Uh, but either way, thanks to Mississippi Code Section forty-seven five one nine three, which says the possession behind bars of any weapon, deadly weapon, unauthorized electronic device, contraband item, or cell phone is a felony and the offense carries a prison sentence of three to 15 years. Now he was in there on a misdemeanor. He probably got off kind of light on this. No, they gave him 12. They gave him 12 years. And the only reason he didn't get 15 is because I'm going to skip ahead in the notes a little bit. The only reason that he didn't get, uh, the only reason he didn't get the full 15 is because over a decade ago, he was involved in some burglaries, and they didn't use that to show a habitual offender. That's it. <laughs> that is it. For a cell phone because they didn't take it from him. Because they didn't take it. So in January, a Mississippi court, I don't believe the Supreme Court, it just says a Mississippi court. I'm not 100% sure on that. Okay. Uh, upheld the ruling but they did say that proper procedure was not followed while booking him. And it appears as though Willie didn't know he wasn't allowed to have it. That was what they said in their ruling. That is verbatim. Yeah. 
proper booking procedure was not followed and it appeared as though he didn't know he wasn't allowed to have it but they upheld the 12 year sentence now like i said earlier other than the offending misdemeanor that started this entire chapter um it had been over a decade he's now a family man he's got three kids he's got a he's got a job probably not anymore but he had a job raising his three kids being responsible they just took all of that all of that from him and it being the time of the corona fuffle many places many places are letting nonviolent low level offenders out right right you think that the guy who is in prison for having a cell phone on him that one, he didn't know he wasn't allowed to have. And two, the police didn't take during booking would be one of the people let go. Yeah. You would think so, Mm -hmm. but no, he was passed over again last Thursday and they, he was denied and dismissed a motion for rehearing. In what, what is, is yeah, in, in what is what uh, Johns Hopkins and really anyone with common sense describe as the perfect environment for the spread of COVID-19. Right. It, it, they're not able to practice social distancing. Uh, they frequent common spaces. All of the spaces are common, except I guess their bed. Um, they have limited access to things like soap and hand sanitizer, disinfectant, personal protective equipment. They are the people who it's going to spread the most easily. Like they constantly are dealing with infections of things that are easy to not spread outside of prisons because people are allowed to have basic sanitation. This is a person that is in prison for over a decade because they didn't take his cell phone, didn't mention it, and he later went and said, hey, can I have a charger for my phone? Common sense would say that this guy didn't know he'd done anything wrong. And we're often told when we see politicians and powerful people get slaps on the wrist for actual heinous things with actual victims, we're told, well, they didn't know. They didn't mean it like that. They just made a mistake. Well, Willie Nash made a mistake. Really? Na- in fact, really, we, it's hard to even say he mistake. made a mistake. He just didn't know. The police made the mistake yeah. when they were booking him by not following procedure. Yeah. They failed in their duties to make sure he didn't have the phone on him. When yep. he, And he's in there on a misdemeanor, like 24, 48 hours? Maybe? I don't know. Yep. And for the life of me, before anybody is saying you know maybe it's a crime whatever uh, some serious crime i could not find it for the life of me which means it wasn't a big deal right everywhere that this story was written said on a misdemeanor charge yeah i can tell you right now when we see we see a pattern in media when someone is charged and treated like this especially if they die during it we hear the worst possible account of what that person did so that it colors your thinking as to, you know, whether they deserve this other thing or not. Um, 
the fact that there's nothing out there about what he was actually charged with, I bet it was stupid. It was probably like a failure to appear on, oh no, that's a felony, right? Uh, depends. I mean, this could be something like a failure, failure to appear on like, you know, a, a, a expired license plate or something, or, you know, this could be some kind of like misdemeanor possession or some stupid, there aren't a lot of misdemeanors that have really, you know, tremendous victim profiles. Right, like there's not a lot of misdemeanors where it's like, oh my gosh, you committed this misdemeanor and devastated this family. Like it's it's usually like you did something the government doesn't like. Right. To prove it, the bulk of his time was for the police making a mistake. If we're saying that by making a mistake or being subject to a mistake, that you should be punished to the fullest extent of the law, why weren't those corrections officials? punished for helping someone smuggle in goods and if you say well they made a mistake okay willie didn't even make a mistake he didn't even know he didn't know he wasn't like when people said oh hillary clinton didn't know she couldn't share those emails or whatever she wasn't supposed to put those emails on her server okay she had a burden of proof on her much higher than what willie had and I'm not saying lock her up. Okay. I mean, lock so, them all up. But Okay, so here is, I believe, I think this might be the same person. It's possible, based on this, was that the same Willie Nash? This was in Virginia, right? Mississippi. Oh, Mississippi. Okay, then I don't think that's... Anyway, we had uh, someone in the comments who said uh, that they believe that it was... Um, for urinating in public, which it could be. And I I, sure. uh, I, I wasn't able to, let, let's say it was, let's say it was urinating in public. That's a perfect example of like, okay, so find that person for the cost of cleaning it up, which is not a lot. If it's, or, and if it's a urinating in public, there was probably a drunken public as well. Public intoxication or something uh, like oh, that. Yeah. yeah. So he probably was thrown in there to sleep it off. Right. And he texted somebody. He texted somebody from jail, and they were like, "Hey, where are you at?" And he goes, "In jail." This is someone who was not like committing, you know, trying to. I, this is someone who thought it was okay for him to have a cell phone. You don't go up to a prison guard and ask for a phone charger if you think you're doing something wrong. That's clearly like a hey, you know, my phone's dying. That you let that you let me bring in, and again, right. if we're saying that being part of a mistake sh- means you should have the get the fullest extent of the law thrown at you, then those prison guards who did know that that's against the law and just failed to 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 take it from them, they should be in in, in they should be suffering whatever the consequences are for you know contributing to to smuggling of of contraband. They should be getting ten years too. Why wouldn't they? Right, because they have a badge. And they're employees of the state. That's why. Yeah, this is so, why this uh, is these are perfect examples of why we're libertarians. Like we talk about taxation and we talk about, you know, war and we talk about these and these are all important things. This is a perfect real life example of something that could happen to all or most of us. Some stupid so, thing that because we have this presumed authority of the state, that we could end up in prison for a chunk of our lives. Because of a dumb fucking thing that the state did to us. Not even that we did. 
So if anybody out there feels that Willie shouldn't be in jail, uh, the Mississippi governor, Tate Reeves. Tate Reeves is the Mississippi governor. Tweet, Facebook message, Instagram, slide into Tate Reeves' DMs on Instagram. Slide into into Tate's old DMs there. Yeah. Uh, Let him know that Willie Nash needs to be out of prison for a mistake that the police made. And the only reason I'm going to be honest, the only reason that I put this in the notes is because I'm going to take this segment and I'm going to share it literally everywhere because this is wrong on every single level. Yeah. Willie Nash should not be in jail for having a cell phone when the police failed to take it. No, if anyone should, it should be the police that screwed up. But I don't think they should either because they clearly just made a mistake. Like this was not, I don't think there was a malicious thing unless they intentionally did this to frame him up later. But we don't have proof of that. They were the ones who did the wrong. They should be the ones. If we're saying, you know, the ignorance of the law or making a mistake is no excuse. Great. Then put him in prison. Put the prison guards in prison. Right. Because if you're saying that Willie Nash made a mistake... It's not as big as the one that they made. Yep, exactly. Because they knew. Because they actually knew. So speaking of knowing, you know who really knows stuff? Chris Reynolds. Chris Reynolds. Our good friend Chris Reynolds, who coincidentally, Matt, uh, is the sponsor of the personal injury attorney, Chris Reynolds, attorney at law, anchor call-in moment. And uh, so let me pull up. This is a, a segment where Chris... And anyone else, and we actually have a, a couple people this time, right? That are uh, that have called in. Oh, we have a few. Uh, oh. You can actually go to Anchor.fm/slash Muddied Waters, um, and I forget if the media was on there too. Uh, Anchor.fm/slash Muddied Waters, and there's a button to leave a message. There's also a button to donate, but you can uh, leave a message. And uh, it will let you leave uh, voice messages up to a minute long. Uh, and you can ask us any question you want. And uh, we go through them and answer them live here every week. Tuesdays at usually 8, this time 9, uh, on Muddy Waters of Freedom. Uh, and so the very first question this Real quick, w- before you hit that, uh, Laddie Bell, who okay. calls Spike a colonizer, says there is a change.org petition set up for Willie Nash. Uh, so if you want to go and find that, oh, find let me, yeah, let me, let me pull that up. Uh, yeah, and we'll put that in the comments as well. Um, Willie. cause on it, like when I was reading Willie's story, I couldn't believe that he was in prison for 12 years for this. And I genuinely, to me, this is in a very important story because he shouldn't be there. No. There's like a bunch of different of these, but let me get the one that's the most popular. Yeah, that's the same one. Okay, so they're trying to get 75,000 signatures and they're up to 63 and change. Um, but this is, uh, yeah, this is the, let me put this in here. This is the uh, the link to the change.org petition in the comments. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's absolutely like, take the time to sign it because this could happen to you. I mean, it's true that this kind of stuff disproportionately happens to people of color and the poor and gender and sexual minorities and other marginalized communities. But 
a lot of that is because they're also the ones that in general have to have the most interactions with the police in the first place because the police heavily over enforce uh, in the areas where they live, which means that when you boil it down, anytime you have an interaction with the police or corrections, it can go like this because they don't care about you and they're perfectly fine with terrible things happening to you because they're just doing their job and they just want to get home to their families and beat them, 40% of them. Um, so here is the question from Daniel Faust. Um, this is the first question from, uh, for the personal injury attorney, Chris Reynolds, attorney at law anchor calling moment. Good evening, Matt and Spike. It's Dan Faust again. I've got this question that's driven primarily to Matt. Uh, given that the LP is currently running a recruitment and fundraising drive that they are framing as a contest for their current presidential candidates, uh, given that I know that you're not somebody who's really on board with the Vermin Supreme ticket, uh, what do, exactly do you make of the fact that, as of the last time I checked, Vermin Supreme has brought in more members than all of the other candidates combined and is also far and away leading in the fundraising? I guess as an aside to that, what does Spike make of this, and should this help to present the idea that it is a valid ticket for the Spike Supreme campaign? Yeah, Matt. Well, Dan, thank you for your question. Uh, I don't know where you heard I wasn't on board with the Vermin Supreme campaign. Uh, I don't say on the show who I'm supporting because we're he's journalists. A, he's a journalist. Yeah, we're journalists. Journalist. We can't we can't say who we're going to be supporting. Um, it's journalism. I did I did endorse Spike for VP. Journalist. Uh, <laughs> I did I did that against my journalistic integrity, um, <laughs> but <laughs> but I. Um, I have no like I think I think Vermin's campaign is a great campaign. I understand everything that Vermin is saying in it. Um it's a very pragmatic campaign and if you're looking for your 15% in the polls in order to make sure you get on the debate stage, I think that Vermin is one of the if not the best chance for that to happen. Uh I also think that if you are just really hoping for your 5%, Vermin is probably the best candidate to get your five percent and as far as the uh the donation the contribution challenge and yeah, the sign yeah. Challenge or whatever, yeah yeah that makes perfect sense vermin's got a following that none of the other candidates can match it's not even close i think kokesh is probably the second closest he is, and yeah. is probably tens of thousands behind where vermin is so Vermin has such a wider audience that he can reach and a wider audience that he can speak to and say, hey, we're trying to get people to sign up for the Libertarian Party. If you're tired of being disenfranchised by the Republicans, if you're tired of being disenfranchised by the Democrats, if you're tired of the Green Party who probably hasn't disenfranchised you. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to be disenfranchised by right. a, a party with no, you know. Right. Uh, he has the ability to, he's got the ability to, reach these people and have them come over and they can all sign up for the libertarian party and they can all contribute. I will say that in an effort to help out my co-host and dear friend whom I love dearly, I, I sent $25 in 
on the Vermin Supreme thing. Thank you so much. Well, journalism. So journalism. It, journalism. And it's not because I am supporting Vermin as president because journalistic integrity. It's because I'm supporting my friend and brother and co-host on this show. Journalism. And journalism. so thank journalism. So thank you, Matt, for that for that journalistic gift that you gave us. Um it's very journalistic and we appreciate it and love you. Um and you're my brother as well. Um so yeah, no, yeah, damn. So yeah, Matt's not not on board with the Supreme ticket as in like doesn't like us. It's more just he's not endorsing us or endorsing Vermin officially because he's a journalist. He's just gonna right. give and I'm not endorsing any other candidate either. <laughs> yeah, he's a journalist. Right. He's a journalist. Here's the next question. Personal injury attorney Chris Reynolds here with your AOC Millennial Minute. We've had a crazy week. Uh, we've had uh, Bernie Sanders uh, drop out, endorse Biden, which I wasn't expecting, encourage his supporters to do so. We've got um, Donald Trump playing... I guess what would we could potentially call a, a political advertisement um, in a press briefing. Well, just lots of nutty stuff without even getting into all the other stuff that's going on in the world. And so what I'd love to hear from from the uh, good people at Muddied Waters Media is, um, you know, how how much pain does it cause people from South Carolina to know that North Carolina has so much better in terms of professional and college sports. And how do you deal with that pain? Thank you. I deal with it by not knowing much about it. And I found that to be a very powerful solve. It's a very but good solve. It's an incredible solve. Ignorance is truly bliss. I have to bring up that Tim Stanley, top fan Tim Stanley, which Jason Lyon will never be top fan. Uh, Tim Stanley... Uh, says that I was supposed to do the Biden reaction when you said that, you know, you were supporting me and I was just going, oh, oh. here, so, so oh. do it again. Uh, I I don't remember what I said. Um, darn script's gone. Uh, <laughs> I, I have stated before that I am supporting my friend and brother and co-host Spike Cohen oh. for, the v, for the VP nomination. Uh, many times, and I will continue to do so. And I believe everybody else should support Spike Cohen, your next VP, on Facebook at facebook.com. Spike Cohen. Your slash next literally, Spike, literally Spike Cohen. Liter- slash literally Spike Cohen. Facebook.com slash literally Spike Cohen uh, for, uh, to support him as well. Or, t- or Twitter at, uh, at Real Spike Cohen. Or you can follow him on Twitter at Real Spike Cohen. Oh. So. <laughs> Thank you for that question. Uh, yeah, I, I don't. The way I deal with the sports thing is by not caring even remotely. Um, here is the next question from Chris Reynolds, attorney law. Personal injury attorney Chris Reynolds here with your culture corner. As I've had more free time uh, recently, I've been able to read some old books that I haven't uh, touched in quite some time, um, such as a couple things by Ayn Rand and um, Common Sense, Thomas Paine, Wealth of Nations, lots of stuff that uh, I just like reading just because I'm weird like that. Um, But it got me thinking um, from a a libertarian perspective, um, because I'm not one, um, what 
is or what are some of the the seminal uh, books um, and or authors that um, one should read if they were interested in learning more about uh, becoming a libertarian? Thanks. Gosh, um, man, I don't even know where to start on this because I, I could just sit here and like read off like a bunch. If I, so, I'm going to pick two, uh, um, and I would say that the the biggest one to me that really took me into what I consider to be true libertarianism is No Treason, which is, um, and I, I think it's the Constitution of No Authority or something like that. Um, but it's 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 No Treason by Lysander Spooner, which brutally lays out using the precepts of uh, contract law, which you know, uh, our, our, our legal system is supposedly based on using those precepts, dismantling the argument that any kind of government charter, including the constitution has any relevance or any, is, is even remotely fit to exist, um, uh, in any real, in any real way. Um, that would be my first one. And the second one that I want to do, I'm completely blanking on what it's actually called. Um, hold on one second. Oh, man in the state, man in the state would definitely be, um, that would definitely be man in the state, right? Yeah. Man in the state would actually be the second one that I would, that I would recommend as well. Um, Matt. Um, so for anybody who's just kind of like getting started, I pencil by Leonard Reed or red. Yeah. That's a, yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. It's, it's really short. It's just an essay. It, change the way that I look at every single thing that I purchase. It is, I think it's like 60 pages. Yeah. It's yeah. It's not long at all. It's, it's it's a nice, it's a nice primer. Yeah. Um, that, and there was a, I don't remember the actual name of the book, but it was a collection of essays by Ayn Rand nonfiction. Fantastic. Uh, the new left. The New Left by Ayn Rand, uh, that really started guiding me into a new way to see how things were shifting, and you can still see it today. Um, both of those, I think, are fantastic. They're easy, light. Well, Ayn's not really light reading, but it's uh, since it's just a bunch of essays, you can work through it and not feel burdened down by Atlas Shrugged. Um, but both of those are great for uh, people just kind of looking to get started on everything. Another one, uh, actually, uh, the road to serfdom. Yeah, that's that's by Hayek. That's that's definitely one that I would recommend as well. I mean, there's a ton of them that I, I could I could go into, but I, I would say I would say the road to serfdom. Honestly, even more than man in the state, the road to serfdom and the um, and and no, no treason. treason are would be the two that if i had to pick two um and if we're looking for something shorter um like an essay um something called um isaiah's job isaiah's job um by albert j oh frick man i'm blanking right now albert j knock um who was a protege of um hl mankin and uh he uh he he wrote isaiah's job that would be another good one that i would recommend um I also recommend a book called Can You Keep a Secret by Matt R. Wright. By Matt R. Wright. Highly, 
highly recommend it. That's W R I G H D. Matt R letter R right uh called can you keep a secret uh it's on amazon you can order it uh it's not going to talk a lot about politics i just highly recommend people buy it good there's another book by a guy named remzo martinez called i worship satan and um and i hate everything that's good um if you look that up on amazon it's a uh it's a thriller and uh it's it's ostensibly a political thriller but it's really just remzo talking about how all of the things that you care about he actually hates them equally so total, like like a perfect mirror to whatever matters the most to you in life, he actively hates it as much as it matters. But it's always opposite. So even if, if you just sort of kind of like something, he kind of hates it, right? Yeah. But it's like, if, if you're like, well, no, actually, that's really important. He's like, oh, okay, well, good, because now I hate it more. Remzo Martinez is what his name is. So that's a good book you could pick up. Um, so here's the next question. Personal injury attorney Chris Reynolds here. So in the midst of all the insanity and, and kind of crazier stuff that's been going on, there have been some um, fun, positive stories. And one that has been pretty popular recently that uh, I stumbled across was um, an, an older lady who was um, stuck at home and... Um, had this sign that she would put out um, on the window, I think, saying that she needed more beer as she uh, held up a, a Coors Light or a Coors <laughs> beer can, I think it was. Um, and it got me thinking, um, what what would the members of, of Muddy Waters Media do if they were trying to get something? Because Coors Light then sent her like 150 cans of beer. So if you all were in the same situation, what would you ask for? Thanks. I mean, everyone knows what I'm going to say, so go ahead, Matt. I mean, I think anybody that watches a show know what either one of us is going to say. Like you, it's going to be water and salmon. Really, orange juice and salmon. Okay. And yeah, mango. The, and mango. Mango. Yeah. For me, uh, send vape juice and kava. And, well, you like salmon, too. I do like salmon, but... orange. But, but the kava and the vape juice is what you're actually addicted to. Right, um, yeah, I need those things. You actually need those things. I am right. actually like physically addicted um, and psychologically addicted to salmon. And I think to mango as well. I've actually gained five or six pounds during this quarantine by eating. I, I got what I believed was two or three months worth of dried mango so that we wouldn't get scurvy if everything shut down. And it turns out I've just been eating all of it. Um, Not rationing at all? Even remotely. I thought I could control myself and it has, if anything, gotten worse over time um, because my, my, my pancreas has, has adjusted to the amount of carbs I'm shoving down my throat uh, in a given basis. Um, so I'm definitely, I'm eating the equivalent of probably six or seven mangoes a day in dried mango. And um, so that's probably what I would ask for that and, 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 and especially smoked salmon, but really just salmon in general, but definitely like especially smoked salmon. Uh, would be my answer for that. Um, let's see, our next question is from Matt Hicks, the beautiful and talented Matt Hicks. How many hours a, ago did he leave this message? He left it. Done, it just says April fourteenth. Huh. So we're gonna see. Hello there, Spike and Matt, you magnificent, beautiful bastards. I was hoping that 
you guys would discuss something my wife and I talked about with the big uh, corona fuffle that's going on right now. Um, so I'm sure you're aware there were recently reopened the state protests happening in a couple of different places. And I suspect that a big part of it doesn't have anything to do with natural rights, but it has to do with desperation because a lot of people don't know how the heck they're going to feed their families next week or pay their rent next month. Yep. Um, and on top of it, uh, you know, there's no new live sports going on. There's no new television programming. Movies are on hold. So the whole bread and circus thing is kind of falling apart. Do you think America could survive without widespread rebellion for another two months going like this? And go. If it could, it wouldn't go much further past that. Uh Okay, so a lot, not the people watching this show, obviously, none of us, but a lot of Americans are really complacent. And I I agree with that, but I want to say this. If we go on, because we're going to be getting a $1,200 check, which is like an insult. Even if it weren't being borrowed against the seventeen seventeen thousand dollars or or eighteen thousand whatever it is per American uh, of right. every age that they ran up in spending for that bill and 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 subsequent actions that have been taken by the Federal Reserve to just give you twelve hundred bucks, which is basically an advance on your tax refund next year. That's nothing. That's I mean that's for most people nothing even for a month. We're talking months where the average American is, I think it's like three paychecks away from three pays from like total, uh, uh, you know, like impoverishment. Like this is not a, a condition. So complacent in like the face of being told you can't do this. Most people are just like, okay, fine. Yeah, I can't do this. But when you say you can't eat. Well, they aren't saying you can't eat. There's, it's just that is the result of the, what they are saying. So right. they So yes, once it gets once we get to a point where people are well, they probably won't consider it, they'll probably just do it. Just stealing food. Yeah. Or you know, figuring out a way to steal gas, which is very difficult nowadays. Um, cuz you got to pay beforehand. Um they, they ruined they ruined the whole loophole. Yeah, they ruined that whole Pump Just and ditch, it, yeah. Pump, yeah, yeah the, pump, the pump and run, um, which also used to be. No, never mind. I'm not saying that out loud. Yeah, um, but yeah, once you get to the point where people are stealing the necessities in order to survive on a regular, or at least getting close to considering it, that is when you're going to start seeing a lot of people revolt, begin revolting, like cities like New York, which are already police states. Yeah. You're going to be seeing people in New York who are going to be going to the bodegas, smashing windows in order to get food, in order to get toilet paper, in order to get whatever. And the police are going to come in to arrest them, riot gear and all. And a lot of hungry, angry people are going to act. Yeah, it's going to reach a point and it's going to be different from area to area. Um, yeah. Ironically, it will be the areas that, you know, we're pushing for the most control, the metro areas, the 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 more, you know, police statey areas 
that are going to experience it first. Right. Rural areas, uh, I was talking with Craig Bowden, who is uh, one of my uh, competitors for the, the VP nomination for the Libertarian Party. He lives in uh, Utah in a rural area uh, where they have a, you know, he's he's they already have a farm, but he's building up his farm and his neighbors have farms and they've been, you know, trading and stuff like that. And they've been kind of all building up their the different things they're farming so that they can trade even more. They'll be all right. Yeah. They'll be okay. Um. If if I and then I also was talking with um um with Deborah Altman, who is the first and only elected libertarian in New York City, and she was telling basically an opposite story. Most uh, uh New Yorkers live in five hundred square foot or smaller apartments with ten gallon or smaller fridges, and they don't have this. Even if they had the money, they don't have the storage space to to get you know a month's worth of food. But but even if they and, and if they do, they don't have the money for it. Everything is shut down. You're going to reach a point. So if it went on, let's say it went on through the summer. So July, August, something like that. Let's say it goes through through August. Well, no, you asked two or three months. So that would be through July. So let's say right. it went through July. You were looking at during a time when people usually are able to go outside, they might go on vacation, they're able to they're being told no you have to stay inside unless it's very important. Most of them, an increasing number of them, aren't gonna be working. Because even if their business is essential, a lot of those essential businesses are gonna get shut down when they're not able to service all the broke people who aren't working for their non essential businesses, because that's how an economy breaks down. That's gonna make more and more people Poor. And by the way, I have news for you. The COVID-19 virus is estimated to have somewhere between a 2 and 3% fatality rate. And that is an incredibly controversial number. Some people are saying it's higher. Some people are saying it's markedly lowered. Let's say it's 2 or 3%. That seems to be a general spread consensus of what it probably falls under for most areas. Homelessness has an annual fatality rate of somewhere between 8 and 10%. So you were looking at something that is anywhere from three to five times worse than COVID-19. Once you factor in that a homeless person is A, way more likely to get COVID-19 because they can't shelter in place when they don't have a shelter and they can't socially distance when they are directly reliant on others to survive. And also the fact that they're the most likely to die because they're the least likely to be able to access health services in a reasonable time. You just knocked up the homelessness rate. And if you factor in the fact that a lot of the food banks are completely shut down or just empty, that rate goes up even higher. There's an anarchist philosopher, actually a socialist anarchist philosopher named Emma Goldberg. And she gave a quote, which I'm going to try not to ruin right now, which basically says, uh oh gosh now i'm gonna ruin it ask for bread if you're hungry ask for bread if they won't give you the bread then ask for work meaning so that you can buy the bread if they won't give you work and they won't give you bread then take the bread this is a basic praxis that is based on the reality that if you don't get that bread you're gonna die and if you don't have an opportunity to earn the bread you're gonna die and so rather than dying because you weren't given another option 
take the bread. Now, usually that is a way oversimplification of things because usually there are options where you can try to work in some other way or for someone else or do something else to try to get the bread, meaning the things that you need to survive. This is an example of where you can. That's actually the, they're actually pushing the policy of not giving you the bread and not letting you earn the bread. And I got news for you. If you're one of these people that's a little bit more financially secure and able to not work for very long extended periods of time and you're sitting on a nice little cache of uh, of, of, of you know food and, and, and things that you can you know eat and, and live off of for a couple months, most people can't and they're not going to let you sit in your house comfortable like that. And you can say, well, I'm going a, I'm to a fight them off with my gun and you might be able to, but you're also going to be really, really outnumbered for a long period of time. And a lot of people that are in a similar situation to you aren't going to be able to ward them off. And the police are going to be busy making sure that 10 or more people aren't hanging out at the park together. So this is a really bad thing. And like Matt Hicks said, even if you're just going through being pent up and frustrated and, 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 and depressed and whatever and needing contact, there's no sports they're not filming new shows. They're not filming new movies. All we talk about all day long is this freaking virus and things related to the virus. The reason Tiger King was so popular was because it was just a break. It was a new thing that was a total break. And it was a well-done documentary and everything else. The reason it became the thing that everyone was talking about that wasn't COVID was because it was just something else to talk about that wasn't the virus and, and, and could be an entertaining thing. As there's well, less and less of that available, people well, are going to get depressed. Let's let's be honest here. The other reason we were talking about Tiger King, spoilers coming up for anybody who hasn't seen it, it was about a gay man who owned a bunch of tigers that was in a married thruple with two other guys mm-hmm. who weren't gay. Who weren't gay, yeah. And another sex cult going on just a few miles away from you with some crazy bitch only a few miles from me who killed her husband. Yeah. What's that about? We live, we live near tiger King stuff. Right. Um, who killed her husband and she killed her husband too. Right. She killed her husband. That lion bitch down in Florida, Carol Baskin. Yeah. And maybe fed him, fed him to tigers. Uh, that was the other reason that was so popular is that it wasn't just because uh, we're all locked up. It's also because that was one of the most outrageous national inquirer television shows ever produced. It was going to be incredibly popular regardless. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying it sucked or it wasn't compelling. It was going to be popular, popular regardless. The reason it became the thing that every single person you know, except for a handful of like... The people who haven't seen it are willfully like, I'm never going to see that because I'm like, you know, I'm, I... I I don't do what everyone else does. At this point, everyone else has seen it probably multiple times and is talking about it all the time. And by the way, Josh Dial is a Vermin Spike supporter. I, I think I just, I, I, we're going to have more on that later. Uh, I probably shouldn't have said that yet because we're going to have a whole thing. Anyway, so uh, all that to say that as there is less and less stuff, new stuff to even talk about besides COVID and starvation and the breakdowns in the supply chain, they have to open things up. And it sucks that Donald Trump is the one who is basically the main mouthpiece for open the economy back up. It's the best economy in the world. This is about keeping people from dying at much greater rates 
than even the worst case scenarios for COVID-19. Even if all of us were just going out and touching each other and licking each other's doorknobs and all getting it at once, the hospitals were completely over, over, uh, overrun with, with sick people and we were all dying and, you know, it had a, a, a fatality rate of 5%, 6%, where millions of Americans are dying. The conditions they are creating, if allowed to continue long term, would actually cause more people to die and suffer. I'm not talking about the economy and what will happen to the wealthy. The wealthy will be fine. They will print out endless trillions of reams of dollars to hand to them. We always will have universal basic income for billionaires. I'm not talking about the economy. I'm not talking about the stock market. I am talking about you and most other people who need to work to live and to and to be able to eat and feed your families and feed yourself. Keep your whatever home you live in, whether you're renting or you own it. And then once they do open it, guess what? It's going to start spreading again. Which means, again, they're going to have to shut it down. Shut everything down. So, hey guys, maybe we ought to look for something different like, oh, I don't know, encouraging people to safely socially distance, giving them the education on exactly what they need to be doing rather than ordering them to do this arbitrary nonsense where 90% of the people out there still have absolutely no clue how this thing even spreads. So they're wearing like face masks and, 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 and gloves and still touching their face and still like, you know, touching their cell phone and putting it back in their pocket and being shocked when, you know, they end up getting infected later. Like, They don't even know what they're doing. They're just doing whatever the law says to do, as opposed to telling them how it spreads and the specific ways that they can stop it so that we can go back to something resembling a somewhat normal life in society and not end up starving a ton of people and kicking them out of their homes because they can't afford them and and doing irreparable long-term damage to people's lives and livelihoods. Notice I'm not saying the economy. I'm talking about people's lives and livelihoods to ultimately just slow down the inevitable of us all getting it anyway. My favorite thing are the uh, places that are now uh, saying you need, they're mandating that you wear masks. Mm -hmm. And many of those places have no mask laws. Like they've banned masks. And who do you think is going to be most widely affected by these two contradicting laws. Exactly. It wouldn't be Spike or me, just in no. case you're what nope. I was referencing there. Nope. So in fact, we have a uh, we had a video which I don't know why we didn't show it, but there's a video of a guy who was on a Philadelphia it was Philadelphia, right? Philadelphia added a rule without bothering to really tell anyone that you couldn't get on the you couldn't be on the bus without a mask. You know, those masks that you can't find anywhere. Right. Now maybe they would have allowed you to have your own cloth like covering, the, which again you have to make for yourself. So they said you had to wear a mask. So this guy was on there not wearing a mask. And so about a dozen police officers, at least ten police officers show up. Solid at least ten police officers. It, it, According to the article, it was 10. It was exactly 10? Okay, so 10 police officers show up and do not socially distance. They get in, crowd the bus to pull him out to Drag- then make him stand there so the bus can drive off. Yep. Dragged him off of the bus. 
of all people, Ted Cruz retweeted this and said, why not just give him a mask? Really? Did Ted Cruz? Yeah. He said this could have been a lot simpler to just give the guy a mask, huh? Since that's what the danger is, not a bunch of people crowding together like the police who are routinely interacting with lots of different people close up because that's their job and then going and putting people in correctional facilities where some of the highest rates of the spread are, where almost everyone has it. These are the people who have it. You're bringing in the vectors. Hashtag all cops are vectors, ACAV. And the... You know, you have the vector, the, 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 the uniformed vectors show up to drag this guy out instead of just giving him a damn mask. Now, thankfully, they've repealed that rule. But this is a perfect example of when you put government in charge of this stuff. So to answer your original question, Matt Hicks, it, will, will we be able to go two or three more months without having a full-blown meltdown? I don't know. I can tell you if it went much longer than that, my answer would be absolutely not. Because the more people you have who don't have food, even if it's at the store, they can't afford the food and the food banks are closed and, you know, unemployment claims are backed up to, you know, all the way to hell. You can't expect people to quietly die. Will they comply with like stupid orders just to be able to get to wherever they're going and whatever? Yeah, fine. Die? No. No, once it's, you're going to lose everything, your family's not going to eat, all of a sudden compliance isn't that important anymore because you do have nothing to lose. Compliance, the reason Americans are so compliant is because most of us have a lot to lose. We're so comfortable that it's easy to make us just do stuff that we know is a blatant violation of our rights and, 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 and autonomy and self-ownership and, and just basic human dignity and everything else because we don't want to upset things and we have way more to lose and just do what they say it'll be over with before you know it and blah 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 blah. now if you're gonna die starve to death lose everything lose your home lose your car whatever that's not as important so i i think it could be a lot sooner than a lot of people want to admit and again once they do open it we're all gonna get it anyway so hey let's come up with a different idea so here's our last question from uh, a last question of the night from uh, Chris Reynolds. Personal injury attorney Chris Reynolds here with your media minute. As I'm stuck um, indoors quite a bit these days, um, I've been watching probably more TV than normal. And fortunately, there's a lot of good um, television shows out there that I like. Um, you know, whether it's Ozark or Killing Eve or Better Call Saul or. Lots of, of TV shows that I love have, have new stuff out there. And, um, you know, some ones that are probably a little bit lesser known that are probably my favorites, like um, like Devs or uh, The Good Fight. Um, but I'd love to hear from uh, my, good, my good buddies at Muddied Waters Media what, if any, uh, TV shows that they have turned to uh, during this time. Thanks. I have been so, Chris, I have been the busiest I have been since I sold off my company three years ago um, with the campaigning and stuff with the show and, you know, the fact that, you know, like my wife and I are here pretty much 24-7 and, you know, 
all that. Um, I'm I'm busy. I'm a busy man. I watched Tiger King, and uh, have I watched anything else? You you tell them what you've been. You watch a lot of stuff. You tell them what you've been watching because I, I can't. I'm trying to remember if I even watch anything. Uh, so I watched I watched Ozark as I said at the beginning of this mm-hmm. episode, um, and it's great. That show is so good. It's it's on it's it's breaking bad light um so that show's been amazing there's now three seasons of it out i think 30 episodes an hour each um and i powered through all three of those in a couple of weeks because as many of you may know i've had a lifestyle change as of late and now i watch a bunch of kids shows watch a lot of disney plus not happy about that but uh, I think I've Frozen 2 has been on probably about 400 times in the last few weeks, um, just in the background while I'm doing other things. Uh, so I don't get to binge as much as I used to. Uh, Devs uh, is written by, I just blanked on that guy's name, but I really like him as a writer. And he directed it too. And I cannot remember his name to save my life right now. Um, So I'm actually, I'm really looking forward to seeing that. Uh, And oddly enough, Chris Reynolds, personal injury attorney, Chris Reynolds, attorney at law was telling me about the good fight earlier today. And I'm very interested to see that as well. Um, But yeah, I'm actually looking for new suggestions on TV shows to watch during all of this. Uh, So if anybody in the if anybody in the comments wants to uh, throw out some TV shows for us to binge, uh, throw them in there and let us know what we should be binging right now because legitimately I'm looking for new stuff. Yeah, yeah. that's my, my guy. Right. He also so fun fact he he wrote the beach the book. Uh, I don't think he wrote the screenplay of the beach that starred Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, and then after that, he wrote 28 Days Later. Um, I think he wrote Sunshine. He did a l- bunch of stuff with Danny Boyle. Uh, and then he did Ex Machina and Annihilation. Um, but he also wrote this great book called Coma. Really short, really easy read. But it's all about a guy in a coma and all the things that he thinks about. And it's a great book. The Beach, the book, was fantastic. Um, and I'm just blanking on his name right now so uh yeah if you have matt hicks recommended it's always sunny and that is the least shocking thing i have ever seen in my life that is that is less shocking than bernie sanders actually endorsing biden i i've i I watched a couple episodes of it's always sunny in philadelphia and I, i thought it was i thought it was good i'm not sure why i've not i'm not a big tv watcher like my wife will be like, oh, let's watch this documentary or let's watch this series or whatever. I'm like, okay. Um, but I'm not like, oh man, I want to watch whatever. Like, I, I don't really, I don't really do that. I'm on the internet so much. I just, I don't do it. But um, yeah. So thank you for that, um, for that, for that question. Uh, and thank you for your support for my wife, uh, Laddie Bell. She is definitely, um, she's fine. Um, but so, uh, so thank you for that. And uh, speaking of, I don't. I'm speaking of things that are <laughs> that we can. 
yeah th- speak, speaking of things that we watch during the things quarantine. that we watch during quarantine uh we had one of the brought to you this is brought to you by the corona fuffle which is brought to you by bitcoin and Sherman ultra strong um the trump had one of the absolute strangest press briefings yet which is saying a lot right it was it was bizarre what was happening in this press briefing just really really bizarre it's probably the one of the more bizarre things to come from the corona fuffle which again which by the way that's the Hashtag Corona Fuffle, not to be confused with the hashtag Cure Fuffle brought to you by Mylan and Donald Trump's increasingly desperate bid uh, to get you to vote for him. Um, the uh, yeah, it was it was absolutely crazy press briefing. Um, Doctor Anthony Fauci, uh, who over the weekend said uh, during an interview on CNN that if we had a shutdown earlier, we could have saved more lives has now walked back his statements uh, during the press conference saying that the first time they suggested mitigation, uh, the administration accepted it completely. Now, a lot, of, a lot of people took what he said on CNN, and they were saying, oh, he's attacking Trump, he's attacking Trump. Um, and, yeah, that's I watched the interview. It, the, he was attacking Trump. But then in the press briefing, he was saying, oh, no, I was just saying, had we have done it earlier, I wasn't saying I suggested it earlier. And the first time that I suggested shutdown, wait, no, not shutdown, mitigation, something along those lines, I'm paraphrasing. Uh, First time we suggested mitigation, the administration accepted it completely. Um, I think that after (laughs) Trump tweeted, fire Fauci, uh yeah he retweet he retweeted someone else saying fire fauci all of a sudden you know trump did okay now fauci or fauci or fauci 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 Fauci, old tony fauci Fauci. he he doesn't sound like a mobster he sounds like the guy that will make you the best lasagna you've ever had in your life yeah i'm Um, an antonio fauci right um so after after Trump uh, retweeted fire the fire Fauci tweet, uh, I think he kind of went in and was like, "Hey, look, let's talk." And Trump was like, "All right, this is what you got to say. This is what you got to do." And they came to some agreement. And then Trump was singing his praises on how great of a guy he was and how close friends they were. Right. Um, but after that, Trump ran down a history of the virus in America, which is the worst Ken Burns documentary ever made. Um, (laughs) 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 He was defending his choices not to shut down the country earlier since, uh, especially because the media has been pushing that recently. And basically it was just the entire thing was Trump being Trump. Right. it's actually Trump being peak Trump. He was at peak Trumpian. Yeah. So right. then this that is him that. and he's, he's, uh, and then he, he really, uh, yeah, it's better to just show it. It really to show, is. Yeah. So here's what he did. Well, there were still no confirmed cases. So we had zero cases. People want me to act. I'm supposed to close down the economy, the greatest economy in the history of the world 
And we don't have one case confirmed in the United States. That's January 11th. On January 17th, the CDC began implementing public health entry screenings at three major U.S. airports that received the greatest volume of passengers from Wuhan, at my instructions. There was not a single case of the coronavirus in the United States. So on January 17th, there wasn't a case, and the fake news is saying, oh, he didn't act fast enough. Well, you remember what happened. Because when I did act, I was criticized by Nancy Pelosi, by Sleepy Joe Biden. I was criticized by everybody. In fact, I was called xenophobic. I was asking Biden to please define that for me. I was called other things by Democrats and some others, not too many others, actually. So that by the media, definitely. Now. So, so remember how we were just explaining why it's not a good idea to continue these shutdowns? And we talked about, like, that people are going to suffer as a result. The way that Donald Trump explains this is the best economy in the history. It's like the absolute worst way to talk about. Because it sounds like you're saying I care more about money than I do about people's lives. It's like he's intentionally trying to say it that way. And instead of talking about like what happens when you don't let anyone work. Um, so perfect example of why I hate the fact that Donald Trump has become the mouthpiece for the, Hey, can we leave our house now? Movement is sad for so many different reasons, but one of them being that he makes the idea of us being allowed to leave our house sound bad, which is remarkable. To be able to do that. Matt Hicks uh, in the comments asks a very valid question and one that I actually thought of. Uh, did he ask Biden to define xenophobia as a sort of gotcha or does he legit not know? And both of these are very, very plausible. It could actually be both at the same time. <laughs> That's true. I'm going to ask you what that means. I don't know, but I'm betting you don't. I'm betting you don't. And he probably doesn't. That's why the debates. There is which, no way that at this point in the Trump presidency, he doesn't know that word. He has been called that word. That's since, true. That's a good point. There is a, at least somewhat chance that Biden he, doesn't he know. Learned, he learned it in 2016. And Joe Biden probably learned it in the 1970s. But that doesn't mean he knows it now. So, <laughs> I mean, we... we Interesting, interesting time. So yeah, so that that happened with 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 Trump, and uh, and then um, he uh, he took some shots. Then he took some shots at his good friend uh, Joe Biden. Or yeah, Joe Biden. Now Joe Biden said he's a racist. Call me a racist because I said we're shutting down entry from China. We're shutting it down. He called me xenophobic and he called me a racist and other things. Since then. On a Friday night two weeks ago, Joe Biden issued a statement. It wasn't him. He didn't write it. I'm sure he doesn't even know that it was issued. But the people from his campaign, who are smart, people that write his little PR releases are pretty smart, reasonably good, not the best, but they're not bad. But they issued a statement saying that Joe Biden uh, agrees that that President Trump was right to close it down to China. Now, he did that. Now, he issued it on a Friday night. We've all heard about that, John, Friday nights, right? 
In fact, his was later Friday night than I ever released mine on Friday nights, okay? So he did, he did it pretty late. I mean, you know, like at 11 o'clock in the evening or something, you know, it's pretty late. Anyway, so Joe Biden issued, and it's one of those things, but... The things he focuses on are like, what are you even talking about? I'm not going to lie. That was my favorite part of all of it today. That was it, my it was so, favorite it was, it was It was really late on a Friday night. It was really... My... my the people who the people who uh, do his PR, they're they're smart people. You know, they're they're good people. Not the best. Not the best. <laughs> like, oh, what are you gonna say that your competitors' PR people are the best? I, I just, it's like it was, he gets so caught up in the weirdest mundane. Like, oh man! And then the it was it was it was late at night. It was late at night. In that first video, this is my favorite. This is my favorite clip from the first video is watching his, you know, his, you know, main pandemic uh, experts just writhing watching him try to explain something. Um, that is worth that whole thing. Um, and in all fairness, Chris is right. He did make a good point. He did make a good point that he called him xenophobic and now he's saying he's right. It is a good point. It's just the way he went about saying it completely negates the whole thing and by the way i also want to say what he's saying you don't even recognize the point and and by the way i want to say i i will double down on these in the same way that i don't think that these these bans on us being able to go outside work i don't think the travel bans work unless you're going to say no one is allowed to leave or enter for any reason other than american citizens which would cause way more damage than the, the virus would do for a myriad of reasons cause absolute chaos around the world if you're letting even just citizens come back we've seen the pictures and the videos when they first started announcing that there were only going to be a handful of flights that were allowing americans back in and green card holders back in and that they had a fixed window that they had to do it in we saw people crowded like sardines like if you if you've ever seen those videos of japanese people huddling into their um into their uh subway system just packed as closely as people can be so that if one person there has the virus they all got it that would have been that was way worse than allowing people in an orderly fashion using social distancing and hand sanitizing and everything else to continue traveling where they need to go when you consider a disease with an exponential spread once it's here it doubles 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 it doesn't matter if another person's coming, another person's coming, another person's coming. Like it, it's not, if you have, first of all, if you have a viable containment strategy, you can catch it before it before it spreads. Second of all, you can't, once it's here and it's spreading and it's not being contained, it doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't really matter anymore. And so I'm not going to get into whether it happened for racist reasons or xenophobic reasons, because that's, that's gotcha politics between Republicans to d- distract from the real, the real questions and the real issues. Usually, I mean, sometimes as a legitimate point, this is not really one of them. The bottom line is it's just bad, wasteful policy. It's as stupid as cops telling you know married couples that they have to stay six feet away from each other in public, even though they left the same home and will return to the same home. It's another example of... Safety theater. Right? What's that? It was in New York, right? It's it was in New York, and it's been in some other places as well, where they're just saying we don't care who you are; you have to be six feet away from each other. Well, this is my kid; I don't care; you have to be six feet away from your kid because that's not dangerous, right? This is an example of what I call safety theater. It doesn't make you more safe; 
it makes you feel like you might be more safe because you're being told to do stuff and you're being controlled, so you assume it's for your own good, which actually makes you more complacent and it keeps you from, it makes you more likely to say, well, I don't have to figure out what to do because they're telling me what to do, which makes you more likely to make stupid decisions. So, you know, I, 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 I will continue to fight on that on that hill about that. But it is true that, you know, Biden went from saying don't do that to do that. And it was late at night. It was late at night on Friday night. It was late. It was like 11 o'clock. It was like 11 o'clock. It was, late, it was like 11 o'clock. Um, I'm assuming that's Eastern. If it was 11 o'clock Pacific, that would have been even funnier. <laughs> like, I just don't know why that mattered. But anyway, um, so, uh, okay, so then we have a lot of videos here. So then he, he played a video showing all the good. What about the good things Donald Trump has done, you might be asking? Um, and uh, And so this is very long and we'll be making fun of it. This is actually my first time watching this, but I, I trust that this next three and a half minutes will be a beautiful thing for all of us to witness. Essentially, he put out a campaign video and we're going to show you all of it with Trump reactions right next to it because that was the only video I could find of it. Which makes it better. It does. It makes it better. A lot of people are concerned about the coronavirus because they're hearing a lot of news about it right now. But the reality is comparing it to the flu, for example, it's not even close to being at that stage. What if it is worse? Is this a moment where maybe countries put politics aside, a little bit of pride aside? And do we have U.S. officials? Should U.S. professionals such as you say? <laughs> Look at it. Well, we've asked them to accelerate whatever they're doing in terms of a vaccine. We will be suspending all travel from Europe to the United States for the next 30 days. To unleash the full power of the federal government in this effort today, I am officially declaring a national emergency. Medicare patients can now visit any doctor by phone or video conference at no additional cost. The first one million masks will be available immediately. Who made this? As there were more cases, and it was clear that it was spreading out of China, where it originated. (laughs) The president took this move that he was widely criticized for by Democrats and and even some Republicans at the time, which was he halted a number of flights from China into the U.S. The idea was to halt the spread of the disease, keep transmissions to a minimum. He was accused of xenophobia. He was accused of making a racist move. At the end of the day, it was probably effective because it did actually take a pretty aggressive measure against the spread of the virus. Real quick, hit pause. There's no way to pause it. Oh, okay, never mind. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like, we'll just start over. Late at night, early in the morning, uh, and they've. Thus far, I've been doing everything that they can do, and I want to say thank you, and I want to say that I appreciate it. He returns calls, he reaches out, uh, he's been proactive. Uh, We got that Mercy ship down here in Los Angeles. That was directly because he sent it down here. 2,000 medical uh, units came to the state of California, these FMS, these these field medical stations, Uh, and that's been very, very helpful. The president has been... uh, uh, outstanding uh, through all this. The vice president's been outstanding. Members of the coronavirus task force, very responsive. We had asked if we could have, New Jersey could have access to a piece of the 
beds that are on the USNS Comfort. And the president came back, called me a short few minutes before I walked in here to say, indeed, they would grant that to New Jersey. So that's a big step for us in addition to all the other capacity. That news is literally hot off the press. And I thank the president and vice president who are on the call together. President Trump approved Arizona's request for a presidential major disaster declaration. I want to thank the president for a quick turnaround. We requested this on a Wednesday, and we had approval by Saturday morning. And we are grateful to the administration for their continued support and responsiveness. Well, first of all, I want to uh, thank uh, the, the, the president and the vice president for doing a really good job of communicating with all the governors. So a few th- a few points on on the three and a half minutes of video that you just watched. And for anybody that was bored by that, I do apologize. But I had to watch it all of it multiple times. So now you uh, did, too. <laughs> but at the beginning, it starts off with uh, the press downplayed downplayed the spread of the virus right uh, something like that i don't remember the exact wording of it then everything he showed was from fox news every single clip that he showed was from fox news now after that he skipped to an article from somebody at the new york times who during this press briefing for the first 10 minutes or 15 minutes of this press briefing all he was talking about was the New York Times is fake news. And long after I'm done being president here, the New York Times won't even be around anymore. And then he quotes everything that they say after calling them fake news for a half an hour. And then yeah. he goes and he shows the governors, which, all right, yeah, some of the the governors were saying good things about him. He, he, he showed that Democrats and Republicans all agree on everything like it, it's while con- while simultaneously talking about how you know democrats are you know fighting me at every stop and it's like no you kind of just show that they aren't but okay and they republicans and democrats agree on the fact that they like it when the federal government gives them money or supplies which is not the federal government's job yeah yeah they really like it when they are getting fed by the beast because they have not done what they needed to do to prepare for this. Right. Yep. Yep. And I, I just like watching him where he's like, he's yeah, like he's, pointing to people. He's like, look at this, look at this, look at this. He's doing the, the, the Trump face going, look, they called it, they called it the Chinese virus. They called it the Chinese virus. Just absolutely incredible. So then he did the thing that a lot of us libertarians are talking about and uh, Republicans would talk about if a Democrat said it, uh, but a Republican said it. So they're just going to skate on by that. Um, And that was uh, that was this number here. Totally representing about 100 million people who said they're going to cooperate and decide when to reopen. Well, they can decide, but uh, what you're trying. No, not at all. Let let me just tell you very simple. I'm going to put it very simply. The president of the United States has the authority to do what the president has the authority to do, which is very powerful. The president of the United States calls the shots. This is when somebody's the president of the United States, the authority is total. And that's the way it's got to be. The authority is total. It's total. 
It's total. And the governors know that. So if if the governors know that. Now you have a couple of bands of. of, Excuse me. Excuse me. You have a couple. Could you rescind that order? You have a couple of bands of uh, of uh, Democrat governors, but they will agree to it. They will agree to it. But uh, the authority of the President of the United States having to do with the subject we're talking about is total. Uh, you said when someone is President of the United States, their authority is total. That is not true. Who, who okay, you know what we're going to do? We're going to write up papers on this. It's not going to be necessary because the governors need us one way or the other because ultimately it comes with the federal government. That being said, we're getting along very well with the governors, and I feel very certain that uh, there won't be a problem. Has yeah, please, governor, go ahead. Has any governor agreed that you have the authority to decide when their state I haven't asked up? anybody. Because I no don't, you know why? Because I don't have to. Go ahead, please. But who told you the president has the total authority? Enough. Please. Again, remember when Republicans used to say that they didn't uh, support uh, an overreaching, overarching executive that wanted that would impose total, literally total authority if they decided to and would tell people enough if they dared to ask where they even thought that they had that? It was exactly one Obama ago. Well, I would say it was one Trump administration ago. Yes, it was a it was an entire Trump administration ago. Right. Um, What's not in that video that was in a separate one um, that I found is that that reporter at the end, the female reporter, um, I'm assuming I'm assuming her gender. And if I misgendered, I think she's presenting as female. I'm pretty sure she's I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and say she's a female. But um in another one, she goes, the 10th Amendment says that you can't do this. And Trump completely blows it off. He doesn't he goes, know what the 10th Amendment is. That's true. But he says, if any if anybody out there wants to go against what uh, what I say, uh, let's see if they get reelected. Um, he is aiming in based on that, based on that alone. Mm-hmm. He is aiming for total control of the economy in all 50 states, which like that reporter is correct on this time, which I'm certain she's wrong on almost every other time. <laughs> almost every other time she is way off. Way off, I'm sure. I'm sure. But in this in this instance, she is correct. The Tenth Amendment says that if it is not in the Constitution, the the government does not have any control over it and it's left to the states. There is nothing in there about the federal government and even more precise the president saying yeah. when states have to open business or when they are not allowed to open business. Nothing in there. Absolutely nothing. And his total control. I got total control. No, you don't. That is actually why we have checks and balances. That I will is say- why there is a separation. Yeah, I will say this. He intuitively understands that these things that are in place, the checks and balances and the, and the, the, the Federalist uh, delegation of authority and all of these things, ultimately boil down to who can convince the most people that they're right, which is why he'll say something like, let's see them get reelected. It's why he pushes for things like uh, restrictions on, on mailer, mail-in voting because he knows that typically the more people vote, uh, the more likely a Democrat is to win. 
um, because the people who are typically the most dedicated to voting tend to skew older and whiter who tend to vote Republican. Um, so if you're able to expand that out to other people voting, and he even said in, uh, a couple of weeks ago when it, in that relief bill was uh, some kind of measure that was going to allow for basically universal to, to fund universal mail-in uh, voting in all 50 states who want it. And he said, he said flat out, I'm not going to sign that. I won't allow that. Because if that happened, you'll never see a, a Republican get elected to this office again. And he might have been right. He, he might have been right. But the fact that he realizes that what matters, as Joseph Stalin said, uh, is not just who wins the election, but who counts the ballots is way more important than anything that's written on a sheet of paper in terms of limiting any kind of authority. The only time that that stuff that's written on a sheet of paper matters is when they can point at and go, says right here that I rule over you. And when you say, yeah, but it says right here that you're supposed to talk to this person first. And then and this one actually has the authority. They go, oh, well, you know, good luck getting elected on that. That's uh, uh, the the book I brought up, uh, uh, No Treason, talks exactly about that type of thing. H.L. Mencken talks a lot about how the end result of any democracy, and yes, a constitutional republic is a form of a democracy. It is not a direct democracy. It is a form of a democracy. All democracy is going to lead to us electing a total buffoon who still understands that he can control us. And that's what we have. And it's what Biden will be. Because I think he used to be smart, but he's pretty addled with um, what I believe is dementia at this point. And, uh, or just being addled. He may just be straight up addled. Addled. Just good old fashioned addled. Um, and, uh, which probably makes him somewhat less of a threat to the children. And it's scary that we are unironically saying stuff like that. When you could vote for Vermin Supreme. Um, but anyway, so Reynolds has a, Chris Reynolds has a good point there in the comments. He says, it's like the law. The law isn't about truth. It's what it's about what you can convince a jury. Yes. Which I don't know if anybody's seen, uh, I'm certain many of you have the show community. Um, the brilliant Dan Harmon show community Um, in it. I think it's in the first episode. uh, The former lawyer, Jeff Winger says something. And again, I'm going to have to paraphrase, but he goes, I learned at a very young age that there is no such thing as truth. I learned that if I talked long enough, I could convince anybody of anything. So either there is no such thing as truth or I am God. Trump knows either there is no such thing as truth or he is God. I'm betting it's not the latter. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's just like a, some kind of like almost like a form of nihilism where it's like yeah. nothing matters other than what I can get you to think in this moment. Right. And he's made a compelling argument for that because I we are pretty sure, especially with the conditions that are about to be in place, where the people who vote who are the most likely to vote during a pandemic are going to be the ones who don't think it's that big of a deal and that we all need to just go back to our, our lives and stop worrying about all this, you know, fancy stuff like health. Um, and, uh, or that it's, you know, 5g towers. Cause QAnon told me that, um, the, also the fact that the strongholds for the Democrats, which are major, met, major Metro areas where I live, which is definitely Trump country, we could keep six feet from each other and still, as many people wanted to vote that day could still vote. It would be a little bit more difficult, but we could do it. New York City, Chicago, LA, even like a Miami, any of these major cities, Houston, yeah, where... Seattle, Dallas. 
Seattle, Dallas, any of these cities, Milwaukee, any of these cities are already having situations where, you know, people are waiting out till 10 or 11 at night because they're already in line and they're wrapped around the block. And that's with them just as pretty much as close, you know, maybe, maybe a foot or so between them. Imagine if you tell all of them, they have to stay six feet away from each other that time, that time. It's impossible. There's no way you're going to have the same vote totals. And a lot of them are going to be scared to go outside in the first place, especially after they've been told, don't go outside unless absolutely necessary. Don't go outside. Don't go outside. Well, go outside now and stand in front of a bunch of other people because you got to vote. Oh, and touch the same thing that they've all touched. Touch the same ballot over and over again that they've touched or machine or whatever else. Get real close to people. Just do it because we said so because it's your sacred duty. They're not going to do it. Many people aren't going to do it. So it creates the conditions uh, for Vermin Supreme to be the next president. Um, so, so yeah, so that's what happened with the Trump. Uh, oh, and then so it ended with Trump. He reiterated after kind of, it seemed like at the end of the whole total control thing, he kind of backed off and said, well, none of this is going to matter because the, 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 the governors are going to are going to like it. But in trip, typical Trump fashion, he always goes back to doubling down on the original stupid thing he said because he has to. Because he can't ever be wrong. And so he said, for the purpose of creating conflict and confusion, some of the fake news media are saying that it is the governor's decision to open up the states, not that of the president of the United States and the federal government. Let it be fully stood that this is incorrect. Total authority. Total authority. You hear all those Republicans that are real mad about that right now? You hear them? Here they are. They're coming. No? Okay. No. Do, do you hear the sound of crickets? Now, I do hear the sound of crickets. I grew, <laughs> I grew up in a uh, very conservative family. Mm-hmm. So uh, did I. Yeah. Right. And I don't, I have not asked. I'm afraid to. Because there are certain things I don't want to know. Um, I'm certain that they are in agreement with that statement right now. If Biden wins in November, they will no longer be in agreement. Of course. But right now, they are in agreement. Yep. Back in 2015, would have disagreed completely. Yep. Today, they agree. Because it's team sports. Yeah, you've got the the red team and you've got the blue team. (laughs) Yep, that's pretty much it. It's, it is, it is just team sports and the fact that they don't even, so it's weird. Two things are happening as they get closer together in terms of what they actually do so that there's basically no daylight indifference in in reality between what they actually do once they're in office, their rhetoric about each other has to get wider and wider and wider because in order to try to offset that reality that they're the same, they have to present it in the most absurdly you know, circus-like ways, the most hyperbolic ways that they're a bunch of Nazis that are going to throw us in concentration camps and they're a bunch of communists that are going to throw us in gulags and it just gets worse and worse and worse and worse. And this one's a Russian asset and this one's beholden to the Chinese over and over again, even though the reality is they're all doing the same damn thing. And the closer they get, the more crazy it gets. Um, And to, to create the illusion that there's a fucking difference and there isn't. There isn't. The only difference is with Vermin Supreme. And so the the um so you know that's that's how that went. And uh 
And that's how that went. The good news is we're going to end on a good note, which is the Vermin Supreme Spike Cohen 2020 campaign update. Um, so we have some some news. We've been, at this point, it's, you know, I used to say what shows we were going to be on this week or what shows we've been on this week and so forth. And it's become essentially impossible because we're all, we're both usually doing at least one podcast interview, radio interview, news junket, whatever, every day. And usually more than one, especially for Vermin. So it's kind of impossible. Like, yeah, we were on this. Like I spent five minutes telling you all the things we've been on. Uh, but we've been on a lot of stuff. One of the my favorite things that we got to do was yesterday, last night, we did the Spike and Vermi Easter special with Vermin and Spikey on the Chris and Jesse show with Chrissy and Jess. Uh, and it was an absolute blast. I invite you after this is over to go look for it because we had a lot of fun. We talked about some serious stuff too. Um, if I we thought about it, it I would. What's that? We did share it on our page, right? We shared it. Yeah, we shared the live feed, so you can check if you scroll down a little in our in our in our page, uh, you can see it. This is just on Facebook. Their show is just on Facebook. So if you're not uh, listening to this, if you're not watching this on Facebook, uh, then you'll have to go to Facebook to see it. But uh, it was a lot of fun. We talked about some serious stuff too, but we had a lot of fun talking about uh, different things. I brought out my Easter eggs. Brought out my Easter eggs that I have, and. Uh, very strange yeah, thing for a Jewish guy to have. Well, I mean, they're not. That's the decidedly not Christian part of the holiday. But there we go. And so, uh, yeah, no, it was good. And my shirt was inside out for the first fifteen minutes or so so of the show. And so, when they one time when they cut to vermin, I had to quickly turn turn my shirt inside out in the vain hope that it wouldn't come back to me while I'm topless, which it didn't. So that was good. Um, so yeah, so that happened. And then we're also in a contest right now. And I'm looking to see if there's an update uh, to that contest. Um, let's see. Oh, come on. Libertarian Party Recruitment Contest. Let's see if there's an update here. Because... Is there an update? We're going to see an update. Anyway, we're winning it. I guess it's the most important part. Nope, no update yet. Well, no. Um, no, no update. Yeah, that's that's not an update. All right, so yeah, so this is as of yesterday. They don't have an update. Um, but we are. So they're having a recruitment con- contest where all of the presidential candidates uh, are basically recruiting people using a special link just for them. Uh, asking uh, people to join the Libertarian Party using their link to see how many uh, how many people um, each each candidate can bring uh, to the Libertarian Party, new members that they can bring to the party. And the um, it, the, the contest started this month and goes through the the end of the month. And uh, as of yesterday, uh, Vermin Supreme—that's that big yellow line at the end there. Vermin Supreme uh, has gotten almost uh, twice as many. Uh, signups as everyone else combined because he's a joke who's destroying the party and no one's taking seriously. And uh, so, yeah, so that's happened. And, and I know just from the number of people that have told us they signed up in the last 24 hours that this just got a lot wider. The gap got even wider. Uh, and uh, we also had a, a recent uh, poll. It's actually still ongoing if you want to go on Twitter and uh, and check it out. But as of 
right before the show started. Um, there was a four-way contest between the, I guess, main uh, contenders at this point, and um, uh, right as of uh, before, right before we went live, uh, the Supreme Cohen ticket is leading the uh, Judge Jim Gray, Larry Sharp ticket, uh, 55.4% to 23.1%, uh, with the hypothetical ticket of Jacob Hornberger and John Mons uh, at 13.6%. Uh, to be clear, uh, J- uh, Jacob Hornberger and John Mons are actually both running for president, but I think they were just trying to pair someone to uh, Jacob um, for the sake of the contest. And then uh, Adam Kokesh and John McAfee uh, rounding out things at 7.9%. So it's almost like we're like we're the favorite here. And of course, as we showed earlier, people that are outside of libertarian circles want... Vermin Supreme. They want Vermin Supreme. I defy you to find even a large handful of non-libertarians saying, I'm going to vote for another candidate, one of the other candidates. And I don't say this to try to, uh, you know. If you go to a group of non-libertarians and list off the names of the libertarian candidates, see how many of them they even have heard of. Because it might be one other. If that, it might be one other. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But they can, almost all of them are going to know Vermin Supreme. And uh, and so, anyway, so we're, we're just continuing to plug away. This is, at this point, at least for now, an all-online-only con- uh, campaign, which behooves us because we have a very outsized online presence. I have an actual two shows and uh, so our production values are better. Our ability to outreach is better. And, uh, you know, I'm plugging away with my VP campaign. Uh, and to that end, uh, Vermin and I will be doing uh, an AMA event on uh, Monday, 420, dude. I'll be in charge of making that graphic. And uh, which is funny because I've been uh, I'm a recovering addict for the last 14 years, but I definitely got to lean into the whole Cheech and Chong theme. Um, so we'll, we'll be doing that. And uh uh, sometime next week, we haven't firmed up a date yet. Um, I will be on a uh, Larry Sharp show. Uh, Larry, uh, int- uh, announced, uh, uh, yeah, he announced, uh, yesterday, uh, that he was, uh, going to be running as judge Jim Gray's running mate. Uh, so we're running uh, against each other and, uh, we're gonna have a nice discussion about that. Um, when, when is that gonna, you said you have, we, we don't have an exact date. It could be Monday or it might be Thursday. Um, but we will see, uh, but it's going to be sometime next week. We'll be doing that. And, um, yeah, so, I mean, uh, I will say this, I have no intention of, uh, of, of attacking Larry. Like, I think I, when I say we're going to have a nice discussion, unless I, I, and I, and I, knowing Larry, I don't believe he would be attacking. I think we're going to have a nice discussion. Like I legitimately think we're going to have a nice discussion. So, um, I can't, I can't see Larry. He's not an attack. Yeah. He's not going to take the offensive here. Neither one of us are. Yeah. Neither one of us are attack dogs. Like that's not our style. I'm not going to do it now. I don't think the optics would be good. I think the only way being an attack dog and a mudslinger works is if you're able to commit to it so heavily that you can sleep at night knowing that you're just throwing mud at someone just for the sake of it. And I don't believe Larry is someone who can do that. uh, And I definitely am not someone who can do that. And uh, you are named Mark Whitney. What's that? Neither one of you are named Mark Whitney. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. I'm not. I'm not going to call, call him a, a mother Larry or whatever. I um, 
No, I mean, uh, listen, I I think we're going to have a good discussion. We're going to talk about uh, comparing and contrasting our strategies. We definitely have a d- uh, difference of opinion on things such as strategy and, and personalities and things like that. But I, I think it'll be good. I think that the libertarian voters, delegates, people that are interested in the contest will have a, a good time in, in hearing a f- actually a frank, non, uh, you know, non-mudslinging, non-ad hominem uh, uh, discussion slash forum slash debate uh, conversation uh, about what both of us are trying to do. Um, so I look forward to it. I think it's going to be really good. And uh, so that'll be on, on Larry Sharp's uh, program. We'll, we'll share that on Money Waters when that's available. Um, and uh, yeah, we're going to have a fun week. And uh, oh, this, uh, my wife's uh, birthday weekend is coming up. So I will be taking a short break from the campaign uh, for uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Um, but uh, yeah, right after that, it's right back to work. 420, dude. 419, got a minute? Uh-huh. Marijuana. Like I know you you used to definitely not smoke pot because you're in South Carolina. Where there's but, no statute of limitations, yeah. There's no statute of limitations. Um, but man, you sound like somebody who knows some of the lingo. Uh <laughs> I picked up a thing or two on the internet, but you know. Twenty years ago. Twenty years ago. I never never we, uh, you know, when I was, I mean, when I say I was sober, I'm sober, it's from alcohol and legally prescribed drugs. Wait, no, not legally prescribed drugs, because that's not legal to be addicted to those. To, right. to alcohol solely, and only at home, never publicly or while driving. There's literally no statute of limitations in South Carolina for anything. Which is good because I've never done anything. Right. Which really works out well for you. It works out well for me. But, I, you know, I mean, it's I don't think it's right. But it doesn't affect me personally because all of my drug use was lost in a tragic boating accident. It's sad. It's very that sad, man. The one where you lost all of your weapons and bumps. And stocks. my drug use. And my history of drug use. Right. All of that. That's. What a tragic boating accident. It's just so sad. It's a sad. It's just sad. It's just sad. But you know what, Matt? I don't even remember it because it didn't happen now. And that makes it less sad. Joe Biden's experiencing a similar thing where he's increasingly not remembering anything, which makes him less sad. And your governor is a bitch. And my my governor is a bitch. Hey, everybody. Hey, I'm Henry McMaster. I think you should just do what I say. And it doesn't even make sense. And it's not like these are going to actually help us in any measurable way. But I uh, definitely want to crowd together in the, in, the, in, the, in the grocery store. Don't go anywhere else. Don't go anywhere else. Just go to the grocery store all at the same time. And only from like 8 to 7. Don't do it any other time where you could just be there and not have anyone else around you. Definitely don't go to the beach, which is salt water, which, you know, coronavirus has a fatty lipid layer that's destroyed when it comes into any kind of sustained contact with salt water. So definitely don't do that. I'm not saying that it would cure you if you get in it because it's already inside your body, but if you had it outside your body, it would kill it. Or if you were to cough and then it got in the water. It would kill it. It would die. 
and before it could actually infect anybody, so really you wouldn't even have to worry about social distancing in the water because you could just, you'd be okay. Because you get killing in the water, plus it's got the salt there, that might even kill it too, or at least make it less hospitable for those kind of conditions for it to spread in the first place. But don't go there. Go to the, go inside and have a building with hundreds or even thousands of other people at the same time, or all desperate and touching the same stuff in the, in the, the grocery store. I'm a bitch. I'm a, I'm a bitch. I'm a bitch. Sad. Laddie, Laddie, Laddie Bill. Yeah. Sure. She says you're a sad, sad man, Spike. No, that was that was Henry McMaster. <laughs> and Chris says you've been workshopping this impression. Um. <laughs> I mean, I. I I haven't not been. I haven't not been workshopping it. Um, I know Chris. That's like his favorite part of the show now is when I do the Henry McMaster bitch voice. Um, so I'm glad I could. I'm glad I could wrap up the show with that, guys. Um, so what's going on? We have so uh, I oh, I know what's going on. Me myself. We have a new show on Muddy Waters tomorrow. Have you heard of this, Matt? No, we have <laughs> we have an all new show. Huh. It's called My Fellow Ruffians with Kim Ruff. Oh, neat! On Wednesdays at eight PM Eastern, and on this new episode, brand new first time episode of My Fellow Ruffians with former uh, Libertarian presidential candidate and just absolute beloved Libertarian sweetheart Kim Ruff. Her first guest is going to be Libertarian presidential vice presidential. Uh, nomination candidate Spike Cohen where she's going to ask him some of the tough questions that the voters really want to hear we've heard about the badgers we've heard about the cheesy bread we've heard about the legalized recreational plutonium we've heard about making the cops wear uh, Barney outfits and sing the Barney theme song we've heard about impeaching the Supreme Court and replacing them with the janitor whose name is Reggie and he's going to be our king We've heard about the, what else, the giving the 20 millimeter Vulcan cannons to all of the, retrofitting all the free ponies with 20 millimeter Vulcan cannons. We've heard about going back in time to kill baby Woodrow Wilson and then still going back in time to kill baby Hitler, even though that's unnecessary now that baby Woodrow Wilson's dead, but we're still going to do that just to flex on him. We've heard about all that. But we have serious questions about this campaign. And Kim Roth, in her very first episode of My Fellow Ruffians, is going to interview Spike Cohen and ask the questions you, the voter, wants to hear. And then on Monday, um, I might be on Larry Sharp's show. But that also might be Thursday. It, or Friday. It's either I think it's going to be either Monday or Friday of next week. We haven't firmed that up yet. Um, and then on Monday night... 420 yo it's uh the spike and vermin 420 ask me anything bro i can't feel my body my hands are huge ama so matt if anyone were looking for us on the internet and they wanted to find muddy waters is there even a way that could happen yeah, uh, there are multiple ways that could happen. You could go to your favorite social media app site, 
whatever. Um, depending, I mean, you know, you might be old school and only using computers. I don't know. I'm very tired at this point. Just, yeah, uh, like, is is there a way someone could find us? Like, how, how could they find us? Um. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash muddiedwatersmedia. You can find go. us on Twitter at muddied underscore waters. You can find yes. us on float, F-L-O-T-E dot app uh, slash muddiedwatersmedia. Uh, you can find us on YouTube at youtube.com slash muddiedwatersmedia. And you can find us on the gram, on the Insta. You can slide into our DMs. I have no idea what symbol you're making there. It's IG. Uh, IG. At, oh gotcha um at muddied waters media and if you're if you're the old school and you're enjoying uh just listening to us on your favorite podcasting device if you just want to hear these sweet sweet buttery smooth sounds of these voices coming at you on your drive well i guess nobody's really driving to work right now but on your normal commutes to work or at least while whilst uh, sitting at your home wondering what it would be like to drive to work, you can find us at anchor.fm slash muddied waters or on your favorite podcasting app. Uh, Cause we are, I think we are literally on all of them. We're on everything. Oh, and you can find this in every other episode at muddied waters, media, muddied waters, media.com folks. Thanks again for tuning in and we will see you very soon. And where we're going, we don't need roads.